Hello and welcome into another episode of the College Esports Quick Take from Esports Network. The College Esports Quick Take and the rest of Esports Network is looking for sponsors. If you work for a company that's interested in expanding your reach in esports, Esports Network has opportunities across digital media, podcasting, and video programs. Please reach out to Esports Network CEO Mark Timmick using the email in the bio of this show. Now, welcome into the episode. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today we're talking to Jeffrey Stansfield. He's the CEO and co-founder of Esports Circus. Jeffrey, thanks for joining the show. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And Mark's a great guy. I, I recommend everyone talk to this guy. We, we, we did an interview with him last, uh, about a year and a half ago, and he, he was he's a real engaging guy and he's a really, really smart businessman. Very smart businessman, been in the esports space for about four years now and just working and we're doing so many cool things at Esports Network. It's a company I'm so glad to be a part of. In addition to all the podcasts I host that I'm sure our audience is most familiar with, we also have the Gamer Hour with Chris Puckett. And if you haven't checked that out yet, you should. That's a, that's we, a good show. That's it's a, a good, good show. show. It's a good yeah. show. Chris does a great job. One of the best in the business, of course. And then we also have our online website uh, where our editor, Justin Amin, does a great job curating content with our network of different freelance contributors who are all uh, pretty talented writers. So be sure to check out all facets of the company. And again, if you work for a company that is interested in expanding your reach, we have a ton of opportunities open right now uh, for partnerships, for sponsorships, whatever you're into. But today we are talking Esports Network. We're talking Esports Circus. And the Esports Circus is a mobile science, technology, engineering, uh, arts, and mathematics venue that produces events focused on the college esports community. And they also do work with Robot Wars, which is also known as BattleBots, and VR games. The Esports Circus will host events at individual colleges, traveling from college to college to run tournaments. And that's where the circus aspect comes in. The flagship event for the Esports Circus is the Esports College Matchup, with over 400 colleges signed on to participate. The Esports Circus was also awarded a STEM certification for their work to further art and tech and education. So, Jeffrey, I'll turn it over to you. I like to do a quick synopsis, but the CEO is always a better person at explaining their own company. What's the goal of Esports Circus, and what were you hoping to accomplish when you founded it? Well, my goal was to really expand what you, what you, one of the things that you said, it was just STEM, STEM education. You know, esports is a very fun and exciting thing to do. People love to play the games, and people have been playing games for, for since I was a little kid before. And, but you know the the aspects of how STEM is really integrated into the technology of esports is something that you know is not as brightly shined as it should be. You know, uh, uh, STEM stands for science, technology, arts, engineering, and mathematics, and all these aspects have to do with the games. When you do game design, you design the graphics and the artwork of the game, which is a big part of what makes a game successful. Uh, the music that has to go into the game and, and the programming and engineering, uh, you know, we see some of the biggest teams, the most successful teams really study things like, you know, uh, the, the metadata on the teams on their, on their play and all that stuff, which increases their ability to play. And, you know, and then and then and then all the other things aspects. You know, esports is not just playing Fortnite and CS:GO. It's actually pl pl doing things like building robots and flying drones 
and all those things. You know, eSports stands for electronic sports, which is electronics can be anything and aspect. Uh, I started to, you know, I, I've been a broadcast engineer for about 30 years. I've been, you know, in the broadcast industry, I've built over 250 TV stations. We've built hundreds and hundreds of post facilities, production workflows, and all this. We have a company called Advantage Video Systems that's been around 20 years. That's been designing the top end engineering in the industry. Uh, I work closely with, you know, trade organizations like SIMTI, Society of Motion Picture and Tele Engineers, which is the leading standards organization for the entertainment industry. And we promote and, 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 and develop standards for the entertainment industry, things like, uh, you know, uh, Simply 2110, which is IP broadcasting, metadata, what is 4K, what is UHD, what is ASUS, which is a new color standard for, for, for video production, all these things like that. And for the, a lot of years, I've been working with Simply and they're helping to promote education. And we've been working with like LA Film School and Full Sail University, which is a big esports college on the, on, in Florida. Uh, uh, you know, we've been working with all the, the you know, uh, a lot of schools, American Film Institute, uh, to help inspire kids to get in, you know, take, get it when they get graduate college to actually have a job. And we do things like roundtables with executives of companies and stuff like that. So promoting education has been a big thing for many years. And in 2019, I, did, I was building an esports infrastructure. I decided. I really want to get into the esports industry, and I looked around, and the pro industry was so glutted with so many people and so many teams, and it was really hard to really make an impact. But the collegiate, which was a, which is a big thing I do, I work with a lot of colleges throughout the years, and I thought it would be a really great avenue to make a positive impact. And I took a whole 2019 to really develop the platform and develop the MVP. Um, which is the monetization, which is the way you make money and all that stuff in a business. And so after I developed this this this, this platform and put it out there, we really see saw a lot of traction. We started going to a lot of the conferences, sporting conferences, uh, X Live, E3, uh, all the different conferences, Dream Hacks, so forth and so forth. And we figured out that what was really missing in in the esports industry, in the collegiate esports industry, was a few things. One is a really a, a place for kids to be seen on stages, you know. And so many kids are playing online, especially today, this year, this last year. But you know, even before this year, they, most kids are playing in their game centers, and they weren't really interacting with other teams. You know, if you were a football team, you could go to a big football field and you could play on a thing, and a coach could see you and see how you react in front of an audience and all that stuff. And kids were just not getting that aspect. There's plenty of places, the big student, big stadiums to play, like HyperX in, in, in Las Vegas, the one in Texas, the one in Hawaii, the one in Arlington, Virginia. There's, a, there's like 10 of them, but they're not near a lot of the schools. A lot of the schools are way far away. You know, there's nothing up in Seattle. You know, so if you're a team in Seattle, Washington, you're not going to travel to Las Vegas to play on a, on a HyperX studio. And, and if you were, there's only a few spots that they put the collegiate teams. Mostly it's professional teams that they play. So, you know, we, we saw that there was a big need for that. And then we saw that, you know, we wanted to help really build STEM education. Absolutely. And it's really important for people to get in person. I think that's the next thing. 
uh, to talk about is like, especially during this pandemic, a lot of the takeaways were, oh, well, esports can continue. Esports is all online. So they're actually future proofed for this. And over the past few years, there's been a huge push in esports to have more live events, the creation of stadiums, uh, getting people together first for competitive balance. So there's no ping issues at the pro play, uh, but also especially in the academic and scholastic areas where it's like, OK, we need kids to get that level of socialization that you aren't getting when you play online. It's no secret to anybody who's played esports that online play is often more toxic than uh, in person play if you have the fortune or if you're fortunate enough to be able to play in person. Uh, and so having those types of opportunities is pretty crucial. And, and we see the expansion of both Vindex and Nerd Street Gamers snatching up all these different uh, arenas around the country with the goal of, hey, eventually all these games should be taking place in person. Can you talk a little bit about that? Why is it so important, especially in education environments, uh, for people to be playing together in the same room as each other, not just online and sharing a Discord call? Well, it's, it's the same reason why kids why, why kids go to college. You don't need to go to college to get an education. You can educate. There's plenty of people in this world who have educated themselves and become very successful without stepping foot in a college. But a college is a great place uh, to create that that networking infrastructure and to create those alliances for how you build your careers and to actually touch and feel the technology that you're working with, you know, and that's what it's all about. When we host an event, we, we do one of our events and we are, we're like a traditional circus. So when you went to the old circus as you were with a kid and you saw the lions and the elephants and stuff like that, we took the lions elf and sent it back to africa they can roam and be happy and we filled it with east and we filled the tent we actually have a circus tent if you go to our website esportscircus.com you scroll down the first page you can see our tent and then you scroll a little further you can see one of our broadcast trailers that we have we have four of those we have two tents uh we have more tents that we have available to us but we can so we can go anywhere and we can travel the united states hosting these team hosting these events i mean we're being Supported by Valley Forge, Chicago, Seattle, uh, 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 El Paso, Texas, uh, you know, all over the all over the country is coming to us and asking us to host these, to come to their city to host these events because it does a couple of things. One is it gives these kids the opportunity to, to actually play on a stage. I knew one kid; he was a world class player, and the first time he got on stage. And he saw 10,000 people, 50,000 people staring at him and 50 cameras and lights and, and all this stuff. He froze and he could not move. You know, they had to carry his chair off the stage because he was like, <laughs> I mean, now he's now he's like, he's like, it's nothing for him. But, you know, he was a skinny little Korean kid, you know, who played with 20 of his best friends, you know, and now he's looking at 50,000 people staring at him, yelling and screaming. It can be very intimidating for some people, you know, anybody, you know. And so this gives the this gives the ability of how can I show that I can play on a big stage like the pro teams do? Because when you're a pros, you're in a big stadium and there's lots of people staring at you. And that is very intimidating, you know. So there's that aspect of being being having that comfortability to be seen on stage. I'm sure if the NFL wanted to hire, wanted, wanted to look for an athlete, they're not going to go and say, oh, you played in a park with 20 of your friends for 10 years, so we'll sign you to the NFL. 
not going to do that. <laughs> they want to see you run up and down the, you know, a, the Rose Bowl for, for a few years, you know? And so that's, you know, they want to see that. And then the aspect of also, you know, connecting with your fans, you know, you can connect with your fans online, but the, the being able to have that thing and, you know, and put your arm around your fan who's been your best friend online, you know, inscribed you, giving you, you know, you know, giving you subscription money and been, you know, giving you props and all that stuff for time. It, it actually boosts their, their, their credibility, their, their, their stature when they do that connection. Uh, you know, Ninja was quoted as saying, you know, he makes sure that he connects with his fans physically because it's important to him because he appreciates them and they appreciate him for doing that, you know, and you know, so you need to do that. You need to create that. And then it's the aspect of learning new things from other players. You know, you can, you know, by, by sitting there and networking and, or, and, and, and organizing and seeing different kinds of things. When you come to our events, there's also new game developers who are doing new games. So you can see new, new and cool games that are out there. You may want to play uh, one, you know, one that we, what we were focused on some of our, in our, in, in our last tournaments we had before we had to shut down was a game called ready or not. That's a very cool up and coming game that we've been helping promote. And, 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 and on some of our online tournaments we were, we do is we did some online tournaments this year as well. And we've been promoting different, different games and stuff like that. But it's good to foster new game developers because, you know, games like Fortnite and, you know, and all these games are great, but Dota, whatever, they're, they're great. But if you don't foster new game development, you're never going to, you know, you got to foster these new game developers because that's, they're the next, they're the next games of the, uh, of the thing is Fortnite's not going to be here. Dota's not going to be here forever. You know, CSGO is not going to be here forever. They're gonna they're gonna change and 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 multi and and, and new games are gonna come up and take their place. So that's there's a lot of aspects to how it does. And then and then it's also you know one of our things that we do is our, our whole events are family friendly and family interactive. We have you know not just esports. We have we have robotic robotics. We have virtual reality carnival because you can have a circus without a carnival. And we have all these things. And all our events are family inclusive. So from Lily, little Sally that's five years old to dad to grandma, you know, Grandma Kelly, who's 87 years old, there's ways that they can all come together and play virtual reality games and computer games and be able to understand the, what esports really is. Because we get it. You know, we get what esports is. But Grandma Kelly has no idea what this stuff is. She's barely cooking or doing her cooking programs and going online chatting with her friends, knowing what all these things are, knowing how it interacts, knowing what learning about what esports are and how it can benefit and the scholarship aspects of esports and how it can build a career are definitely things. And then the last the other thing we that we do when we on our events is people can experience different career opportunities because not everyone's gonna be the top player. You know, not everyone's going to be the A number one player. There's got to be, you know, you know, people who support the team, people who do the audio production, the video production, the marketing, the social media, the, you know, all these aspects of running an event, running an esports team, running all these things. There's got to be those jobs too. And those jobs are, are as important 
as the, as the main guy who's playing because if you don't have the person who can analyze the metadata behind that you're never going to be able to you know to, to, to get get that goal or to you know or, or, or to be the last guy standing you know and in many ways those people are even more important when you just think about the framework of what role college esports are playing in the greater esports ecosystem just due to the ages of most esports players top players are usually on that track to be in the pro league before they reach college age you have a lot of people in league of legends like the oldest people reach is about 25 so if you were to attend a four-year university and come out at 22 you'd basically already be on the uh, downward trend of your career. And we're seeing top players in, in tons of esports at the age of 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. And so college yeah. esports programs are never really going to uh, fulfill, unless something changes drastically, aren't going to fulfill the same uh, role that they do in traditional sports, where they're sort of a jump off to the pros uh, from the competitive side, which means that college esports programs some of the best thing that you're going to get out of them is the people who go through them are not going to be pros, probably, uh, but they will be part of the esports industry, live event production, social media, all the different areas of esports that you mentioned. And so it's really important for good college esports programs to be focused on those individual areas, because ultimately that's where all the people who go through that program are probably going to end up if they want to continue working in esports. And so That's for it to really funny. be a good jumping off point into the industry, you have to have those broadcasting opportunities. You have to have uh, those event productions, those social media, all the good uh, things that so many of the top programs do. And I think if you're yeah, a like student. Mark, Mark, Mark Deppi, that we had on our show earlier, um, you know, he has, uh, he, he has, uh, you know, a, a diversity management management uh, degree program. He has uh, esports psychologist, esports nutritionist programs at the at UC Irvine. So they have a lot of other degree programs around esports that support esports. Um, you know, we have uh, my friends over at uh, Cal State Dominguez Hills who have esports broadcasting and how you know and some of that so there's degree programs around esports that, that a lot of these colleges do and uc irvine is one of the ones that's leading the way also harrisburg university in in, in you know in pittsburgh i think um and then um you know uh full sail university which has a magnificent arena um they have things like esports music game design stuff like that so there's a lot of really cool degree programs that you can get at some of these universities that are really into esports absolutely yeah if i was a student i would 100 percent be looking into that in addition to uh, okay do they have a team can i get a scholarship there those types of questions are important for sure uh, but definitely look into the other opportunities they have surrounding their program. Uh, I want to switch gears just a little bit to be cautious of your time. As you do some work in VR, and you mentioned this earlier, sort of uh, what the definition of electronic sports is. And I think it's a really interesting conversation, probably one we could spend an entire episode on just sort of how people categorize esports uh, based on that. And based on, we've covered that on one of our segments of the show, the uh, classes in session where we cover academic studies and a lot of academics rope all game uh, sales 
inside games that are esports. So your League of Legends skins into esports revenue uh, in their sizing of the esports industry. And I thought it was just a unique way of looking at what esports is. It's just to say that this is such a new industry that there isn't a clear definition of exactly what it is. And one thing that could be included in there is VR, something that was a really a hot button topic a few years ago. I feel like the uh, passion for it has quelled just a little bit as I feel like people realized, hey, tech might be a, a few more years away than we were giving it credit for. But I'm curious for somebody who works in both esports and VR, how do you see the two worlds, not just in the college space, but in general, coming together over the next, you know, three, four, five years? Well, I think I think VR is going to going to definitely be one of the burgeoning growth markets in esports. You know, uh, everyone looks at the glasses and say, hey, we got to get in these heads. We got to get rid of the headsets. Even Play, even companies like you know Oculus says eventually we got to get rid of the headsets because they are a headset. They're a big bulky thing on your head, but you know they do. Right now they are the way to do it, and there's some really creative ways. Uh, we work with companies like uh, a company called Kronos that has these sled that has these little sleds that are like that you have to keep your balance on, and it's and it's actually a workout doing this. And they they're, they're gliders, and you can do racing, glider racing through the Alps, stuff like that with your friends, and stuff like and it's and it's and, it, and the company has it over the internet. They can they have personal models and commercial models, <clears throat> and uh, so they have different models. So that's a way to way to do it. Uh, there's other there's other games that we work with a company called the Final Assault. Uh, uh, Phaser, Phaser Interactive, that has a company called Final Assault. That's kind of a, a tower defense game. That's a really creative way. And you put on the headsets and you're able to do your tower defense. And it's kind of a World War II, you're a general type of thing. And there's a lot of games that are doing that. Um, then there's VR experience games where people can just experience experience a VR world and go on an adventure and stuff like that. So there's definitely some VR stuff from, 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 from more... Uh, stuff that anybody can get into to more competitive stuff and VR will be expanding and what it is the what will change the game is when we get the glasses you know Apple has their glasses coming out Google has a new form of glasses coming out everybody has a new form of glasses when Google first came out with their glasses it was very infantile in its way and it had a lot of issues it's just like when Apple years 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 ago came out with the thing called the Newton it was what we what we look at as an iPad today. It was that, but it was way too early, and it and it needed a lot of things, and it just wasn't the right time. Then when the then when the iPad the iPod came out, and then the iPhone and iPad that revolutionized how we look at things. So I think the glasses are going to come out because they're going to really uh, take the world from an augmented reality and a virtual reality and combine them into something that is going to be incredible, especially when we start also linking in some of the how the city is. We get smart cities and we start developing smart cities and building smart cities. There's a lot of smart cities being started to be built these days. And that's gonna and when that happens, you know, it'll take 10, 20 years for that to happen, but for that but the glasses will come out in a year or two. So things will start to come out and that'll start revolutionizing the thing. I've been involved in VR for, for a long time. We worked on I worked on one of the first public government VR projects in existence when when I worked for I was a contractor with Apple and we and we stitched and we stitched together we had a virtual reality of the Oval Office back when Reagan was in the White House. So, you know, I've been involved in VR wait, for wait. many many years. 
Wait, sorry, I can't let that go without without a follow up. You, you, you stitched together the Oval Office back when Reagan was in the White House. So yeah, it was, and and, and it was there was no classes. You, you you went on a computer and you and you you could download it. You could put a CD and then you could walk through the Oval Office and walk down walk through the White House. You know, in virtual reality. You know, it wasn't you know virtuality. It was you know it was VR. It was it was a, 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 a first steps in VR. And wow. you could you could go on. They had they did have they did have some internet platforms you could go on, and all that was one of the things. Reagan was actually big in technology in a lot of ways, and uh, and so I, I worked as a contractor with Apple, and they stitched together they used a program called Apple Stitcher, and you would take two photographs and you'd actually match them up and you'd stitch them together using a system, and you'd and it would be very very tight. Uh, time sensitive, <laughs> time, time, we use up a lot of your time, and it would, and, and it was very detailed oriented work. And it was a fun job. I mean, we, we did some great, great, great work on that job. That's, that's really fascinating. I had no idea that anything that could be described as like the starting steps of VR happened in the 80s. Uh, well, the all. first, v, the first actual VR, pro, VR project was done in uh, 1862. It was done by a reporter of Harper's Weekly, and he he took a photograph and he and, and he photographed a battlefield in the Civil War, and he took uh, 120 photographs, and these were photographs that were used in the you know in, in the old timey uh, 3D <laughs> glasses sure. that many of us see, and and he was done that, and he took these you could actually do a three six by Changing the pictures, you could actually see the battlefield in 360, and he was he was promptly fired for wasting film. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. That's really interesting, huh? You learn yeah. something new. You never know what you're going to learn here on the College yeah. of Sports Quick Take, but you learn something new. All right, Jeffrey, I have one final question for you before I let you go. Uh, I'm curious because of esports circus rules, sort of traveling from college to college, you get a up-close look at a lot of different college esports programs. And as we mentioned earlier, being in person there really highlights sort of just, hey, this is what this program looks like. This is how it runs. What are some of the areas of need that you see consistently popping up over and over again at different college esports programs? Not calling anybody out. This is a new industry. Uh, it's growing now, but we're not, we don't have the infrastructure in place right now to completely support college esports. What do you think most college esports programs need right now uh, to continue their growth? Well, you know, I think that, a, that eventually a lot of them are going to do kind of like what uh, Full Sail University is, which is build real arenas. You know, we have a we actually have two parts of our program. One is our, our traveling circus, and the other one is our college esports building program. So if you're a, a, a col if you're a, if you're a an esports club on campus and you don't have an official college team and you want and you want to and that and you want to get your college to start a team there's really a process of having to do that so that's one aspect and a lot of kids don't know how to deal with the college to try to get them to sign off on do, on investing money and investing resources to do that and if you don't do it right it will never happen and a lot of a lot of colleges put off their things a lot of the teams get very disappointed because they don't know how to do that process the second aspect you know i see you know is really helping colleges really develop because a lot of colleges 
don't know how to do it, don't know how to build an esports program. And so we have a 10 step program that will take a, 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 camp, a, a campus club or a college that wants to, that decided they want to build a program and take them so they can build that, that college esports program. And like I said, the other aspect, is, another aspect is the actual developing of, you know, many of them have, we go to most college, college and you go in their game room, quote unquote, and it's just the 50 computers sitting on a desk. You know, even Mark Deppie's place over at UC Irvine is just a bunch of computers sitting on a desk. And the problem with that is that you have a, big $8,000 computer sitting on a table next to a kid who may not be as delicate to the system as um, I also seen some kids, you know, vandalize. I saw an also there, when you have a system there, there's, there's opportunities for kids to upload things. I know one college had a problem with some kids decided they want to be funny and loaded a bunch of porn and malware on the computer at night and they started the computers up and there was a whole big thing in the morning. Um, but, you know, so there's aspects. Oh, yes, of college it. kids. College kids, that's it. College so we have kids. A, so we have a workflow that's called distance-based KVM systems, which actually takes all the computers and puts them in a rack. And then all you need to do is run one cable to wherever the desk is, and you put a keyboard, mouse, and monitor there, and you have a system. So if you want to move the, the, if you want to move the arena to a big, the big auditorium or the stadium or anywhere on campus, you can do that in minutes. If a computer breaks down, instead of having to take a computer away and put a computer, which can take an hour or so, I can have a new computer in five seconds, you know? And so there's different workflows. So we have incredible workflows. Whether you want to build an arena, which is how I think eventually they will all go, because, you know, they want to build arenas to bring in crowds and bring in money and stuff like that. Cause you got to learn how to monetize a team. If you don't learn how to monetize a team, eventually the school's going to say it's not worth it, you know? So you have to be able to, to really learn how to monetize teams. And that's what, and that's one of, we, we offer ways to monetize teams, ways to build arenas that are much, much better ways than our, and also getting the, getting the best technology. You know, most of the schools say, oh, okay, we'll buy this, this cheap green screen, this cheap camera, this cheap switcher, and that'll be our, our, our shout casting. You got to give the kids the technology they're going to get when they, when they get into the real world where you're doing a disservice to them and they're not going to understand how to do it. So you need to give them best technology, best arenas, you know, ways to build, monetize the teams, ways to help uh, the, the schools do it. Another thing we do is we do a financial responsibility program. Part of our thing is a, a, a student financial responsibility. Uh, many of these kids, they go off and they win these big prizes, and then they end up blowing all the money. I mean, Michael Jordan, the first time he got his NBA contract, he got a million-dollar bonus check. And within 24 hours, that million dollars was gone. Now, he's made it up many times over, but a lot of athletes end up working at used car dealers, you know, and signing autographs for five bucks, you know, to, to make money. You know, these are, I, I know, I know athletes who went to the Super Bowl three times because they didn't go four times. They don't get a pension and they don't have any money because they blew all their money on, on things that college kids blow their money on. You know? 
So we have a financial responsibility literacy program that helps kids learn how to be a better managers of their monies and, and learn what the difference in good debt and bad debt is and stuff like that. And yeah. so I mean, these are all I think regardless of, uh, of athletes or not, I, financial literacy should just be like one of the main things we teach in high schools, you know, getting into investment, learning about investment, learning about, uh, yeah, debt, sort of refinancing, uh, finance rates, all that good stuff is all really important. Uh, and for everybody too, like you mentioned, it's not just, uh, for college students or, or anybody else. But let's wrap up the show here. Jeffrey, it was great having you on the Esports Circus Show. To our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this look uh, at a variety of different topics. And uh, colleges, the importance of in-person uh, communication, especially in esports, the rise of VR and the history of VR, which is not a topic I thought we were going to be covering, but I'm glad we did. Uh, and then going forward, uh, this will be published on Friday January, what day is it today? The 12th will be published on January on Friday, January 15th. And I will be back on Monday with In the News covering the top headlines from the last week in college esports. Uh, and you'll be able to hear next Friday that interview uh, that Jeffrey alluded to with Mark Deppy from University of California, Irvine. Really looking forward. Can I just get uh, my, to- my website one more time? Yep, absolutely. It's esportscircus.com. Be sure to check it out. It'll be linked below and on Jeffrey Jeffrey Stansfield's guest page underneath this show. So be sure to check that out if you're interested in learning more about the work that he is doing.